The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the listener question episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We're starting to make these a little bit more frequent and a little bit more part of our regular rotation. I'm happy to be with you. Uh, I'm Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. My co-host John Sheeran is also here. John, I know you've been doing a, you've been experiencing a little bit of troubles. Uh, I, I shouldn't say troubles, annoyances. It sounded like uh, earlier since we last spoke. So I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're you're getting through the rest of the week, and I'm sure you're looking forward to the weekend. Correct? We we, we call those first world problems, and they can be solved by a drink in my hand in about an hour. So <laughs> well, let's go. Let's run yeah. through these. Let's do it. Yeah, you are. Uh, you're the drink in your hand portion is uh, something that you are ahead of me on uh, because you are three hours ahead. So I got a I got a little bit longer to go on that front, but. Um, Five o'clock somewhere is not yeah, a surprise. That's right. That's right. I'm 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 very close to adopting that mantra right now. But <laughs> well, let's let's get through these questions first. Um, for those who are just joining us, maybe for the first time, or maybe you're new to Cincy Jungle or anything like that, you can leave your questions if you're joining us there in the comment thread at CincyJungle.com. You can leave them in the live YouTube chat and that we have going uh, for this video stream. You can also. Uh, hit us up via call or text 949-542-6241. Our our Twitter line at Bengals OBI is open if you want to try and shoot a a question there and we'll try and get to as many as we can as we we go through this show here. But let's, uh, we've already had a a couple sent our way. Um, Let's, let's start with an email that we got from Thomas uh he he writes first thank you for the job you do with the site and the podcast thank you thomas appreciate you listening and reading the 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 site um 
And of course, John, where would this listener question segment be without the a question sort of revolving around the Jonah Williams injury? Uh, so Thomas writes, the Redskins have a disgruntled le- starting left tackle in Trent Williams. If the Bengals think they could make some real noise this year, could you see them making a move to get him? Of course, Williams wants a new contract, and with Green and Boyd's extensions needing to get done, things could be tricky. With him being one of the best in the league, he's going to com- command some serious cash as well. Uh, so I don't think there's been much movement on the Trent Williams um factor with the Redskins and they may be in a state of transition themselves given that their their quarterback situation is very fluid at the moment so um obviously Trent Williams good player right mm-hmm. um like yeah I there's no doubt that Washington wants if they're going to roll out Dwayne Haskins in year one there's no doubt that they want him there and from what we've heard it's that you know Williams doesn't like how the medical staff handled his injury and just all, all the other things that go along with the just being disgruntled with the Washington Redskins organization, which he's not the first person who has dealt with an injury has said, said these things about him, but I don't see the Bengals doing that at all. Like it's very rare that they, that they, you know, deal picks for players. And if, if they do so, it's usually, you know, a player that is really at the tail end of their career or can be had for a cheaper price. But obviously even, you know, before Williams gets a contract, essentially, he's still pretty heavily against the cap at the moment. He's going to pay as one of the best left tackles in the league and deservedly so, because he is one of the best left tackles in the league when he's healthy. Um, should they do it? I definitely think they should consider it because if, even beyond just like, you know, he's going to want an extension, like the Bengals, the, the, the problems at offensive tackle aren't solved with just Jonah Williams right now because Cordy Glenn is not necessarily a long-term solution at left tackle and Bobby Hart shouldn't be considered any type of short-term or long-term solution at all. So if you if you have a you know at least a five-year future with Trent Williams as one-year tackles and Jonah Williams as another one-year tackles, that makes going from a liability to a complete asset and one of the best you know tackle duos in the league if Williams becomes the tackle that they want him to. So the, the obvious issue is, you know, what, what compensation you give up for him and what eventually you pay him to keep him long-term. And that's something that definitely would deter the Bengals from doing something like this for a one-year rental. I don't see them, you know, offering anything more than like a fifth round pick. And I, I think it's going to take a little bit more than the fifth round pick right now to acquire right. Trent maybe, you know, further in the off season as we get into preseason when they're a little more desperate, maybe that price becomes a little more reasonable, but right now I don't see them doing anything remotely close to that. I, I think, that's definitely for something for a team that's a lot more aggressive in their nature. Right. And I, my thing is this, um, I mean, this, there, there is, it's a realistic scenario that is brought up to us by Thomas, but there is a little bit of a, a an element of maybe being a, a bit of Madden franchise mode uh, with, with a move like this. But um, I look, the Bengals have been telling us all off season that they think that they're close. They think that the coaching changes and increased health, and then this new rookie class, they think all of those factors coming in here are going to make this team competitive. A lot of the players in the building currently are saying that they think they're going to make the playoffs this year. If you really think so, and you think you're close, why not make a move like this? Uh, I mean, you have the cap space, and, and granted, you may not have the cap space for Boyd Green and a Trent Williams if you're going to do Trent Williams long term, but you have the cap space. Your recent draft classes have not been that great, so you haven't been really maximizing your draft capital that you've had, especially at the top of the draft, because of injuries, misses, all that kind of stuff. Why not? I mean, if you really do think you're you're that close um, and you really are serious about winning, the Jonah Williams loss is a big blow, and that's your starting left tackle. 
one of the most important positions on a football team. If you can get another guy that's a starting caliber guy, uh, do it. And they have the capital. They have the resources. They have the cap space to do a lot of things, still get creative and extend a lot of these guys. I don't see why you wouldn't do it other than the fact that you don't want to spend the money. You don't want to spend the draft capital. And that's that's usually what it comes down to for the Bengals. Do I see that happening? No. The only the only way I can see a Trent Williams thing happening in Cincinnati, a trade or anything like that, um, is if, you know, the, the Redskins, he, it, that, that relationship between he and the Redskins gets worse and worse. And, you know, then it then it becomes kind of bargain bin time for teams out there. And then the Bengals may come knocking there. Um, but I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense. I just don't see it happening. I'm sure you agree with that too, John, right? Just, just real quick. If it comes down to like keeping all three or just keeping the receivers or adding Bengals fans would want Trent Williams for a receiver, but I think I might be in that camp because a healthy Trent Williams is again a top five left tackle, and you know, the cost differences would be about the same depending on you know which receiver that you would go. But I think I would probably lean towards adding Trent Williams and taking away one of the receivers than just keeping both receivers. But again, I don't think that's going to happen, and uh, we don't know the, like the long term impacts of Williams' injury at the moment. So all that situation is very clear, it's very cloudy right now, and the last thing that the Bengals want to do is enter another. Uh, cloudy injury tackle situation on their hands because after what happened with Jonah Williams, I think they just want some clarity there. Yeah. And, and if we know anything about Mike Brown, he likes to pay those receivers. He's done it a lot in the past and um, you know, he likes those skill position guys, not, not so much paying. I mean, he's paid tackles in the, in the past very well also, but um, you know, he he likes paying those receivers. Let's move on. Good question. And thanks for the compliment, Thomas Uh, hit us up again sometime soon. Uh, this was an interesting one, and uh, I unfortunately it, it is a little negative, but um, I think it's kind of a funny one. It's a oh boy, the life of a Bengal fan type of question, and it was a tweet from Brian Scott. Who Brian Scott? I, I thought it was pretty funny that Brian Scott's avatar is Michael Scott of The Office. Uh, so I don't know if he's trying to say, Hey, I'm related to Michael or whatever. And Michael Scott made a, an appearance on our last episode of the podcast. So hope you enjoyed his little soundbite that he provided us, but name a moment that made you question your Bengal fandom. Uh, and then Brian says, for me, it's passing on Steven Jackson. Um, Marvin's return in 20, 2011. Uh, losing to TJ Yates. I think that one was 2012, right? Um, mm-hmm. The Chargers lost. The fumble, I'm assuming he's he's saying uh, Hill, uh, Jeremy Hill fumble. Um, Marvin's return in 2016 and low-balling wit. Those are some of the, the ones there. Uh, your your thoughts or and or if you have someone or something that sticks out where you go, that that one really stuck with me. He mentioned two Marvin returns, and the one for me personally was the one that he didn't mention. Um, 2017, when he was brought back for a two-year extension after going seven and nine, like I was just literally on the verge of like this team doesn't care. And I've said that a lot in the past, like before then, but at that point, I just realized Mike Brown just does not care. He's going to do whatever is easiest for him. He's going to do whatever gets the minimum amount of acceptable profits going into his pocket. A two-year deal for Marvin Lewis after at the time going like. 13 and or whatever, like uh, uh, 10 games under 500 in, in two years going nowhere. The franchise was in a complete state of staleness. 
same incompetence problems in both free agency and the draft and on the field were happening all the time to your extension for Marvin Lewis is, to me is, is just basically saying that they don't care. And I know that that 2018 offseason they they you know put this facade on being more aggressive and everything, but at the end of the day, it basically ended the same results. So at the, going into the 2019 offseason, there are rumblings about again Marvin was, was contemplating quitting and just moving on by himself. I'm like, there's I just refuse to believe it until I see it based off of 2017. But the, for like a couple of days following the two-year extension announcement, I was seriously contemplating like, do I even want to write for Cincy Jungle anymore? Because I can't write for Cincy Jungle if I'm not a Bengals fan. And I was just seriously considering just just packing it in and just being like a general fan. But like th- that was definitely the hardest for me, I think. Yeah. Um, I've fortunately and unfortunately followed this team a little longer than you, John, just because I'm older. Um, definitely not wiser, but I'm older. Uh, <laughs> and there are two. Um that, that really stick out to me. Uh, and they stick out for a variety of reasons, not necessarily, you know, the band. They stick out for a variety of reasons. The first one is the Palmer injury in 05 in the wild card game. Um, you know, luckily the Bengals had a modicum of success after that, um, both with Palmer and without. But, you know, there has there was this big buildup for a couple of years. 03, they drafted him, but he sat all year. And the Bengals almost made the playoffs that year. Oh, four, they were kind of competitive. He started, they were pretty competitive. They, he started most of the year. Then he got hurt at the end of, of his first season. Um, you know, and, and then they just, they, they went eight and eight, uh, didn't really do much there. And then, of course, 2005, that's when everybody kind of felt like this was the year they're going to do it they're going to go far. I think most people felt that that team was the team that was going to potentially go to or win the Super Bowl that year with, with a full team healthy. And of course, you know, the whole thing, we know the story by now, but um, first pass, he completes a 66 yard bomb to Chris Henry and it all just kind of explodes. Chris Henry gets hurt on the play. Carson Palmer gets hurt on the play. really his career was never really the same after that. I mean, he still had a couple of good statistical seasons, but never truly the same after that. And then, you know, you kind of try and put things together uh, from there. And then really the 2015 wildcard game. Um, And and I say that because the, the roller coaster of emotions that, that took place in that game and in really such a short period of time, and the fact that the Bengals just the Bengals or the football gods or Mike Brown or whoever you want to blame something with this team knows how to really pull the rug out from under you. And in, in such a way that is just so painful. And really, I remember the reactions of myself, my brother and, and people who were watching that game. And I, I kind of said, yeah, this is, this is pretty unhealthy. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, the anger and the, the, it's just, you know, and, and it's something completely out of your control. So those are, those are times where you kind of went, yeah, this, the, and, and in such just a heart wrenching way, it's not just you lose and you get blown out. It's just these ways where you go, wow, we just, you know, we can't have nice things. And, um, you know, you, you kind of, I don't know. 
uh, you, you kind of kind of makes you question things, and um, those are those are two that really stick out in my mind. There are plenty of others that uh, I'm sure others can point to, but um, 2005 wild card and 25th, ironically, 10 years later, the 25th, and against the same team, um, you know, the 2015 wild card game. Those are two that really stick out uh, to me as as questionable moments of of fandom here. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We're doing some listener questions here. We've already got a few. You can try and get yours to us in the live YouTube chat that's going on right now with the video feed. We'll be here for about another 10 or 15 minutes, I think. And then we uh, we also have a, a live comment section on cincyjungle.com, so leave them there. You can also call or text us, 949-542-6241, if you are so inclined. If you're new to the show or if you're a regular and can't join us live, you can always get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can, uh, I mentioned, get our, our subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, we're also on the Megaphone platform. We may be switching that platform coming up here. So if and when we do, I will let you know. But uh, for now, keep it to Megaphone if, if that's your preferred choice. And... Uh, you can get the program. Also, all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com, so get that there. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We did get a, a question in the comment thread, John, um, from Jordan Ritzy 19. It says, I guess I can ask a question for once. We're, we're talking a little bit of Jonah Williams here. I've heard Clint Bowling is done. And after the Jonah Williams injury, Westerman has been in the starter at left guard per Bengals.com. How do you feel he will fare? While he's done well in limited snaps, they were so limited, and there's got to be a reason he's been a backup since drafted. Um, in regards to the tackle situation, who do you think the backups there at the moment? Um, if Glenn or Hart get hurt, is it Sutherland, Dugas, Jordan? Um, if you don't mind, since there's a couple of questions in there, um, I will briefly talk about the Westerman thing, and I'll let you talk about the tackles because you put up a really – uh, really good post on cincyjungle.com talking about the tackle situation um, just kind of for time sake and everything, but good questions from Jordan. Um, we don't know about Clinton bowling being done. Um, we've heard some rumblings that I, I think it was via Joe Goodberry and a source he had saying that he, they say Clint bowling is done certainly hasn't, you know, uh, been a good omen that he hasn't practiced at all. This, this offseason under the new regime, and then the fact that it is a new regime and they brought in so many new offensive linemen, that's not a great sign for him. But I still maintain that he is one of, if not now, 
their best offensive lineman when healthy, very versatile, and just a solid offensive lineman. Um, we've talked about Westerman before, so I won't go into too much detail, but I will say this. Um, Westerman has been um, – the, the rumor is that Westerman has a poor ability to grasp plays, or not a good chalkboard player, quote unquote, if you want to use that phrase. Um, and that, my opinion is, you know, there was talk when he was drafted that he was a second or third round talent and the Bengals got him in the fifth round. My opinion, and I have not heard this specifically, but my opinion is that he probably didn't do well in interviews, pre-draft interviews on the play playbook front, on the, the grasping of plays and concepts. Um, you know, we've heard from sources that basically – uh, he has known he has been known to basically miss an assignment in practices about 50% of the time, if not more. Um, and that's why Marvin Lewis got frustrated with him and he was so far down in the, the depth chart. But like Jordan says, he, he plays well he's when he's out there. Yeah. He's play when he, he's a gamer, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's kind of one of those guys that when he gets the game snaps, he does. Okay. He plays well. So, um, you know, I, I'm okay with him at left guard, uh, especially given the situation, given who the Bengals have, um, he's probably the, a slightly better option than John Jerry at this moment in time. Um, but you know, small sample sizes can trick you. Sometimes small sample sizes tell you nothing and sometimes they tell you a lot and, uh, you don't know until you get a larger sample size. So, um, he's still a question mark, but I think there is talent there. I think it's, it's, it's more mental than physical. And, um, you know, at some point you may just want to throw him to the fire and see what you got, uh, to see if he is a long-term solution for this team. But that's that on the interior lineman, John, um, if you want to add to that, please do. But oh, yeah. I def definitely wanted to, uh, definitely wanted to have you chime in on the tackle situ situation since you wrote a, a very nice piece on Cincy jungle about that recently. I just want to say this real quick about Westerman. Um, back when I, back in 2016, it was Westerman's first off season. I like, I was at training camp and I like, posted a video, like just about like a practice rep there. And his dad followed me on Twitter. He was like my 130th follower. And I just think it's really funny how I haven't seen Westerman's dad on Twitter at all, but I see Alex Redman's stepdad on Twitter like a lot, just defending him. I feel like if <laughs> I think <laughs> I feel like if Christian Westerman's like dad defended him as much as Alex Redman did, he'd be getting some actual playing time. But that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, for, for the tackle <laughs> situation, I think on Bengals.com it was reported that Trey Hopkins was taking backup reps at right tackle. Which is kind of it was it's, it's interesting because he's played there before in the preseason, so I think he's going to be even more important this year than in years past, where he's more than just a backup on the interior. It, he might just be the swing tackle. He might just be a backup at all five spots, which definitely means that you know his importance is definitely valued for his third or fourth offensive line coach he's had now in four or five years. And the other, I mean, they're going to have three true tackles though, because I think Hopkins is still listed as a guard or a center on the website. So that that'll probably come down to Justin Evans, the guy that just signed from Arizona. He just has just one year of experience. Ken Perkins is still with the team. He's technically a one-year player. But he's been with the team since 2017. And you're right, there, there's there's Sutherland and Odugas who who have tackle size, but maybe are more you best utilized inside. So at the end of the day, you have like. You know, ten guys who can best play at guard, but only a couple of guys that can play a tackle. They're going to have a third tackle. I don't know if he's on the roster right now, but if he is, he's probably not a very good backup option at the moment. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, if I had to place a bet on one, I would go with Perkins, just because he's been with the team longer. 
But I think that there's nothing really that separates him between Evans, and it'll just come down to who does better in camp and preseason. Yeah, good question there from Jordan, and definitely an area of concern, tackle that is, uh, for the Bengals now that Jonah Williams uh, was hurt. And the Bengals didn't double-dip at the position in the draft, and uh, nor did they do much in free agency at the position. So um, definitely something to monitor there. Let's uh, – Let's go to the live YouTube chat. Um, you looking at this linebacker question? That's what I'm looking at. Which one? I'm looking at a question about our, our third-round pick, Jermaine Pratt, from Dave Lennox. Oh, okay. Go for it. All right. So Dave says, with all the pre-draft hype about Devin White and Devin Bush and the real drop-off in talent to the next linebackers, why should we believe in Pratt? That's a good question because there was that talk uh, early on in, in the draft process how it's like a two-horse race about who's the best linebacker. And really, the hype for Bush really started around just before the combine. I think it was Jeff Hobson who mocked Bush to the Bengals in the first round. Everyone's like, what the hell? This guy's like a, like an early second-round pick at best. And then Bush blew everybody away at the combine. And then it basically became that, that two-horse race again, to kind of similar to last year when it was like Roquan Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. And, um, I don't remember exactly who the next linebacker was taken, but there was, there was a few between, I think it was, um, there was a few between Bush and then eventually Pratt got taken in the third round. But all in all, uh, you know, Pratt is not that far off as an athlete from either a Bush or a Pratt. He's not as flexible. He's not as explosive as the other two. And I think those testing numbers kind of proved it. But in terms of just, you know, second level speed, which is definitely what the Bengals have been lacking, they get, Everything in that in Pratt that they would have gotten in Bush and in in Devin White as well, who just had no chance of dropping to the Bengals at eleventh overall. In terms of production, they were both they're all three of them were similar in terms of, of sole tackle market share. Um, Pratt has the experience of of a coverage player as a former safety, so he has that angle on it as well. You look at PFF metrics, you know Pratt was more highly graded as a run defender than a guy like Devin White who had some problems taking on blocks and obviously, you know, the SEC ACC comparison and competition could have been, you know, something with that. But I think Pratt was one of the guys that could have very well been drafted before the third round, but just the lack of starting experience is what kind of dropped him to where he was now. So you look at him, just a very good athlete, a very good tackler and run defense, a guy who has at least some semblance of coverage instincts, a guy who can, can develop into a three down player. I think you can have more confidence in Jermaine Pratt going into year one than you could have with a guy like Malik Jefferson. It was a little bit more raw, a little bit more younger than what Pratt is. I think Pratt was like a fifth year senior who played the senior bowl. You know, Jefferson was like a third year true junior going into the draft. So I, I, I think there was a drop off, but it wasn't as big as maybe big draft media was trying to trying to make it as. And especially with you know the state of the linebackers and so what they have there, Pratt definitely has a chance to make him to make his name for himself. And it really all just depends on how well he gels with with this new defense. Yeah, and we have to remember too that that position is—it's um, a really polarized. It's at a really polarizing time in the NFL, right? I mean, it's—you right. um, either have your absolute studs, or you have kind of serviceable guys that are are solid two down, maybe three down type of guys. Um, I think the Bengals think that Pratt can be a three down type of guy because he showed an, a, the ability to rush the quarterback in in college. Uh, he showed a, a knack to get behind the line of scrimmage. He's a very sound tackler. Um, he's play. He's got decent speed, not outstanding, but decent speed, um, at least in terms of forty-yard dashes in comparison to the other Devons there. But um, you know, I don't. I don't think he's the athlete that those two are. Um, I don't think he is a three-down type of linebacker. But I think he he could be a a solid two-down linebacker. And and what he does is he helps areas that have really 
hurt the Bengals in the past. Tackling in the past couple of years has been awful at that position. That's why they also kept Preston Brown. Uh, they signed him to two contracts so far because he is known as a sound tackler. But tackling in general for this team has been awful the past two, three years at that position. And I think that Pratt brings a, a sense of stability. So it, it helps them get off the field, uh, get their defense off the field potentially by, you know, first contact, make the tackle, get the ball carrier down instead of, you know, a guy breaks two, three tackles and a two yard play becomes a seven yard play. Um, so I, I think in that respect, you gotta, you gotta like what Pratt brings to the table. And, and um, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a pro bowl player. I think if he's healthy, Again, we always say if he's healthy, if he's healthy. But uh, I, I think if he's healthy, he's going to be a pretty decent player for the Bengals for for a handful of years, if not many years. Um, he seems to be a really heady guy too, uh, pretty mature. Um, so I, I think that was one of the things that Z drew drew him to Zach Taylor, or vice versa, drew Zach Taylor to him um, because you know there was an emphasis of character and all that stuff. But good good question there um, from Dave. We also got one. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what exactly this this question is going to, but it's from Giovanni Lane. What about Stanley Morgan and Alden Tate? I, I assume that means, and that's in the live YouTube chat, by the way. I assume that means uh, the competition there, because that's probably that's probably going to be the battle for the final spot, I would think, or one of, um, if it does come down to that, because you, you got the, the, the big three, you got Boyd, you got Ross, you got green. Um, you got to figure they really like Erickson. Um, and then you've got Cody core, you've got Josh Malone, you've got Alden Tate and you've got Stanley Morgan. Um, you are high on Stanley Morgan. I will say this, uh, before I let you take the floor on this one, John. Um, what's interesting is, and I think we've mentioned this before on another show, but Tate, Malone, and Core are all height, weight, speed guys. Core was really valued for his special teams versatility and, and ability there. Um, that's something Marvin Lewis really liked. Marvin Lewis is gone, but his special teams coach remains. Right. So there's kind of a lot of moving parts here. Um, it's kind of pick your poison, but I think just for the sake of this question, if you're going Tate versus Morgan for a final spot, what do you do there? Yeah. Like my, my thing is why not both? Because I think Cody core is like the opposite of Westerman. He might be amazing in practice, but as a special teamer, he, he's not very good. If you actually watch how he, how he is as a gunner, how he's on kickoff teams, I've seen more missed tackles from Cody core than most other special teamers on the Bengals. So I don't know what the deal is with him. I don't know why Simmons likes him so much, but he, he is fast and he is tall, but he hasn't developed into a receiver and he hasn't developed into a solid special teamer. So just don't know what the point of, of keeping him is. Auden Tate can do exactly what Cody Cord does in special teams. He's not as fast, but I, I, you know, he. I think there were some comments about Simmons about saying like not every good good special teamer has to be a four or five guy. I think Sam Hubbard running like a four seven. He's highly regarded in, in in that special teams room as a contributor there. Like both Tate and Morgan, I believe have the capability of becoming much better receivers than Cody Core can ever be. I think Morgan's a better receiver right now than Cody Core has ever been. You got to remember, Morgan was the Nebraska's number one receiver. He was the first 1,000-yard receiver in school history. Cody Core was like the second or third fiddle on the Ole Miss team. And again, he, he only got drafted because of those athletic dimensions and that speed and that special team's capability that hasn't translated to anything yet. So, yes, Darren Sims is still here, 
But I do think that with, with Taylor's emphasis on going three, three wide receivers almost exclusively, depth of that position is going to be important. And having guys who can come in and play potentially significant snaps as a receiver is going to be important. And yes, there wasn't a receiver drafted. Stanley Morgan kind of acts like a draft pick, though. And, I, and I've never been tremendously high on Auden Tate, but I think his, you know, what he can give, what his output can be as a receiver, specifically in the red zone, and what the talent of Stanley Morgan is. I would like to take both. If I had to choose one, I would probably take Morgan just because I like him more as a complete receiver. But in my opinion, you might as well just keep both and roll with it and potentially lose what could be a good special team in Cody Core. But if he isn't by now, he probably won't be. And there's just no point just holding on to something that just isn't it. Uh, Yeah. And I want to say this. um, This this may come down also to uh, the combination of of health, both current, like present and past issues there, uh, as well as positional flexibility. Maybe Taylor looks at a guy like an out, uh, like Alden Tate as a, you know, we, we, we joked about this when Alden Tate was starting to get some hype last year, but maybe they tinker with the idea that he is a, a flex tight end type of player. Uh, a, a simple red zone threat. And with the rehab of Tyler Eifert, the rehab of Mason Shrek, these pass catching tight ends, maybe they they have him as kind of that split tight, tight end type of player like an Eifert. Maybe that's how they use a guy like that. He does not have downfield speed. That's not Alden Tate's game. He, he has a great catching radi- radius. He has good hands and he's got uh, immense size. So he's almost a tight end type of size. You don't want to get him doing things that they're not used to, but maybe that's a niche where you can find him, especially if health issues continue to hit the Bengals in the tight end area. Um, Receiver, you know, at the end of the year, the Bengals didn't have, we know the issues with Ross in his first two seasons with injuries. They didn't have Green and Boyd at the end of the year last year. They need guys at this position, and they need mm-hmm. talented guys. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily need it seven deep, but you got to be able. If if Green, who is getting on the downside of his career, uh, ends up getting hurt again, God forbid. If Boyd ends up getting hurt again, God forbid. I mean, you got to have guys that can step up that you can rely on. Um, if Ross doesn't make that year three leap that we all think and hope that he can. I don't know. That's something that, uh, you know, you need to think about. Let's, let's get out of here uh, on, on a more positive note. And I guess it's, it's an ego stroke to us here, John, but um, it's a comment in the live uh, in the comment thread uh, on cincyjungle.com. Last podcast, someone asked if there was a silver lining to the Williams injury. The correct answer was a better draft pick. Um, love the show. Been through a lot of iterations with uh, Superling, Menser, and Dairy Queen Scott. Uh, you guys are the best. Keep up the good work. Well, that's a very kind, uh, kind statement from from Keith. There, uh, I will say this: uh, Scott will be back. I think uh, with the program on a limited basis, he's probably going to help us out with some fantasy football episodes. So we kind of round out our catalog a bit. Uh, we John and I kind of do this show, and we do our main show as well. Uh, and then uh, John may participate as well in the fantasy football show, but I think since that was one of the major areas Scott was bringing to the program, and uh, unfortunately just time constraints doesn't allow him to be a regular co-host, but uh, I have spoken with him, and I think through summer 
uh, we may start bringing him back for some fantasy football stuff. So Dairy Dairy Queen Scott may be uh, <laughs> maybe coming back, and uh, we're, we're we're looking forward to that. But we appreciate the compliment and uh, your listenership. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran, as I mentioned. I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can get this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play. You can get it on Megaphone. You can get it on YouTube and CincyJungle.com. Thanks for all the questions this week. We've got uh, a couple of a couple of more that uh, came our way, but unfortunately, we're just going a little long here. So uh, I think we're going to cut it off here. For some of these questions that we did not happen to get to, we will try and get to those on our uh, mailbag feature that we do on CincyJungle.com. So keep it there. Um, uh, we, we just want to thank you for your listenership and uh, a lot of dedicated listeners to this program. It's very flattering. And for those who do not know, my, my esteemed co-host was recently tabbed as one of the best Bengals follow follows or best what, Bengal. What? Let's not get into that. I'm going to get upset about it. Let's just not, let's just ignore it. <laughs> only, only six. Morgan Baker, only you? six. How are there five better than me? I, I I don't. Know. I swear to God. Well, I, I, I didn't even. I didn't even. I didn't even make it, my friend. You you far. You, you, you would be my number two. I would be one. You would be two easily. Okay, yeah. I appreciate that. I'm, you're just saying that because I'm right in front of you, sort of here. So, but <laughs> uh, it's no. Uh, it, it was. Uh, it was. Well, we were having some fun with it. But it's a good list, and um, obviously, well deserved. You are uh, one of the best Bengals guys out there. And what's cool about you know, this platform and the Cincy Jungle platform is it gives, you know, a lot of a lot of up and coming people, a lot of people who have been doing it for a while and a lot of quality people. It gives them a, a platform to, to showcase what they do. And what's kind of cool is I feel like Cincy Jungle and uh, Cincy Jungle in particular, the people that we employ, um, we bring different strengths. Um, that I, I feel play play off of each other pretty nicely. You know, we've got kind of the media side with myself and you. Um, you also do a lot of uh, film review and opinion writing. I do opinion writing. Um, you know, we've got the breaking news guys that are just on top of all of the the news and everything. Um, you know, you've got guys like Matt Minich and and others who Patrick Judas, others that uh, that also have different videos and breakdowns and analysis. So I, I kind of think we bring a lot of different things that, um, you know, other sites maybe don't provide. And uh, I, I think it's a good conglomeration. And I was, I was joking around, but it is a well-deserved uh, little nomination uh, to my, to my co-host in terms of a Bengals follow. And if you're not following him for some reason at John underscore, underscore Sheeran, do so on Twitter. Also give, Give our Twitter account a follow at Bengals OBI. We're, we're almost at a thousand followers, which is kind of cool. We've got many, many more subscribers on our YouTube channel. And I think on our podcast than that. So we appreciate that, but uh, give us a follow if you're on Twitter and, and you want to check out what's going on with the program. Anything else that I missed this week, John? Yeah, I think at the moment, U S women's team is about to beat France in France, move on to the semifinals. I only care about the women's world cup because it's a lot better than the men's world cup for the U S so go ladies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they are rock stars. Those, yeah. those chicks, they, uh, wow. They're, they're very good at what they do. Um, so yeah, very cool. Thanks for joining us on this Friday afternoon. Thanks for your questions. Thank you, John, for, for joining and taking the time out. We will see you next week on our regular show. 
for John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. This has been another episode of the Orange and Black Insider. We'll see you next time.